0: Hello and welcome to the Thriving Abroad podcast, the weekly podcast where I discover through fascinating conversations with people living an international lifestyle and relocation experts what it really takes to thrive abroad. I'm your host, Louise Wiles, an expat, repat, author and a change and transition consultant and I'm fascinated by the world of international mobility and cross-cultural living. And a very warm welcome to episode 87. I'm really happy that you're here joining me today. Now, before I get into the content, a quick reminder for you to go to the Thriving Abroad website and register for the newsletter. Because with the newsletter come the handy show notes, which contain a summary of the key messages from each podcast and great questions to help you apply the content to your life, all for free. So don't miss out. Go to thrivingabroad.com. Now today we're going to be focusing on the subject of moving home, otherwise referred to in the relocation world as repatriation. Now moving home can often seem a huge anticlimax after the heady experience of a new adventure abroad. Our expectations are often that we're moving back to all that is familiar, and yet, it can sometimes feel as though nothing is familiar at all. Aspects of your home culture that you once took for granted now seem surprising, even challenging. Family, friends, colleagues don't seem to share your enthusiasm for your time spent abroad or your perspective on the challenges of coming home. And in the workplace, newly minted international skills may not be recognised. And this can lead to retention challenges, which is tragic given the potential benefit those skills could provide so many companies. In truth, it can be a lonely old business and quite shockingly tougher than moving abroad. What are the reasons for this? And what can we do to smooth the curve and minimise the dips? Well, these are just two of the questions I ask my guest today, Polly Collingridge. Now, Polly has both lived and researched the experience of repatriation and provides a fascinating insight into the challenge of moving home. Enjoy the conversation. So hello, Polly. It's lovely to have you joining the Thriving Broad conversation today. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely and sunny here. Yeah, it is, isn't it? We're both in the UK um, and enjoying a period of beautiful weather with blue skies, (laughs) which is quite unusual for us, isn't it? So it's lovely. Um, So we're going to be talking about repatriation today. But before we get onto the, the subject of today's conversation, I'd really love... So a little bit of an introduction to you, if you could share a bit about your expat journey, perhaps tell us a little bit about some of the highs and some of the lows. Always good to share a little bit about the struggles as well. Um, So if you're happy to do that, that would be a great place to start, Polly. Of course,
1: Louise. Well, I've lived abroad a few times in my life through my childhood and and early adulthood uh, in countries like Mexico, Ireland, Italy and Costa Rica, always Catholic countries for some reason, but never more than one year at a time. So I guess my most significant expat experience was the the most recent one um, when I relocated with my husband and two young children from London to Northern California for three years and then back again. I mean, in terms of the highs, I really love traveling and discovering new places. Um, And for me, living abroad is just sort of an extension of that. Um, Maybe talking about the weather, maybe it's because the other countries I've lived in always have better weather than at home. But (laughs) I just generally I just love the way new cultures sort of slowly unravel to you when you live there. Um, The way that, you know, everything at first seems so alien and different, but gradually you find the lay of the land, establish a daily routine that feels familiar, make friends, and you just sort of start to feel at home. And I find that process really exhilarating. But if you, if you want a sort of specific one high point, what jumps to mind is after living for nearly a year in Italy, I was sitting having drinks, tv as they call them there, with a group of Italian friends speaking in Italian. And we were sort of, we piled into a taxi to head off to a restaurant, I think. And the girl I'd just met that evening, suddenly said to me, wait, are you not Italian? Oh God, it was wow. such a great moment. It was, It was for me, it was like this real coup because all my life I'd sort of aspired to be bilingual, which I'm not, <laughs> but I managed to sort of wing it and convince her for about half an hour, which was so wonderful. But, you know, that, like it. so many things in life that are really rewarding, you definitely have to put a lot of effort in to get to that mm-hmm. point. And, and that, you know, there are some real lows, as you say, you know, along the way. And um, the first thing that springs to mind there for some reason is... Um, when we'd just moved to California and I was in our gigantic local supermarket for the first time looking for butter amongst other things. And I just remember that there were so many different types of butter to choose from and I just <laughs> couldn't figure out which one I ought to get. And I suddenly felt this huge surge of homesickness for the usual butter that I bought at home. You know, it was like, where was the Lurpak unsalted when I needed it type thing. And I was, <laughs> It was definitely about more than the butter, but somehow that was a real trigger for me, sort of not knowing which was my butter amongst us butters.
0: Yeah, I think often it is those little prompts, isn't it? That kind of then just, yeah, ignite something obviously that's bigger and- Yeah, I don't (laughs) know. Bubbling into the surface there and homesickness (laughs) is part and parcel of it, for sure. And a lovely Italian story, fantastic. What (laughs) what an achievement.
1: Yeah, I I couldn't (laughs) do it again. This was 20 years ago. (laughs) My Italian isn't as good as it was then, so
0: sadly. <laughs> oh, but fantastic to have got there then. Brilliant. So, um, we're going to focus on talking about moving home, going home, repatriation. And, you know, I'm kind of aware, so, over the last 10 years, there's been conversation about this, and I think growing conversation. Mm. But part of the conversation has been around how unsupported it can feel to move home, particularly from a corporate assignment. Uh, coupled with the fact that there is an assumption that it is the easy bit because we're just going home, <laughs> so what could be tough about that? Uh, but we're kind of aware now that there is a psychological impact and um and also from a corporate perspective, an impact on longer term retention it seems where you know people don't enjoy the jobs they return to, aren't able to use their international experience and therefore decide to move on to other other organisations. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking this experience with you because I know you've done some academic research around the topic so you really know what you're talking about. (laughs) The one area that people refer to when they're talking about repatriation is the impact of reverse culture shock. So why don't we start there and can you explain a little bit about what that is and what it's not? Sure. Um, Well
1: reverse culture shock is similar to culture shock but Rather than describing that kind of emotional roller coaster that people go on when they move to a new culture, it refers to, as you said, the difficulties people experience during the process of readapting back to the home culture uh, after living abroad. But the use of that word shock is really misleading both for culture shock and reverse culture shock because of course it's not one short sharp shock so much as a journey, a challenging journey, which uh, involves a sort of physical uprooting that keeps you very busy sorting out all those practicalities, you know, moving house, et cetera, setting up the utilities. Uh, combined with a, a sort of transition phase of psychological stress, which comes along with different emotional and physical responses and coping strategies, and,
0: and no two individuals will experience it in the same way. And I think that's that's the important point, isn't it? And I think perhaps that's where the part of the challenge is, because you, you know you're always moving along the experience, you know, with someone else, particularly in a family unit. You may be all experiencing different things at different times. So one no, absolutely. Three, Happy to be home, and the other struggling. Um, certainly, that was was my experience. And I remember when we moved back to the UK six years ago. Now, gosh, it might be even maybe seven. Time flies. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, the first few months setting kids and the kids into school, and really supporting them, who did find that challenging. And then I remember in the November, just really flatlining and feeling I had no focus for work. I had no enthusiasm. It was also November in the UK, which is a, not one of the best months, dark and um, usually horrible weather. But I just remember not feeling good about things. And sort of now looking back on it, I realized that was probably my experience of the transition, the psychological impact of coming home. Um, I'd been abroad for nine years at that point so it was yeah of course it was going to have an impact but and I should have known that as a professional but I of course we never apply (laughs) no we don't our professional perspectives to ourselves so Mm. and so that was one of my symptoms it was kind of lethargy and just inability to really focus on and develop any enthusiasm really for my business at that point which is quite interesting because my business was about you know expatriation so perhaps that was a bit of a psychological (laughs) reaction to that too yeah that's what are this yeah no no I think I just only made that connection actually (laughs) (laughs) what um what symptoms what other symptoms do you know or have you seen other people experience
1: I mean, the, the the lethargy you're talking about is definitely one of them that sort of, I personally had that very sort of flat feeling um, mm. after coming back from the US, but, you know, sleep disturbances of various types, whether sort of oversleeping or insomnia, and the same with eating as well. Uh, in fact, um, my My son, um, actually this happened when we moved out to the US, so this can happen with culture shock too. You know, he just didn't eat, which was quite scary because he was only Mm. six. Um, Mm. But most studies of reverse culture shock, and it probably is more accurate to describe it as repatriation distress um, of of various types, but uh, focus on the psychological symptoms rather than the physical symptoms. People talk about you know anxiety depression boredom even but like literally from boredom and a sort of feeling of flat flatness and disappointment to even you know grief on the level of a bereavement mm. because if you think about it you know leaving one life completely for another forever is a loss of, of, a, mm. of a sort, you know? And then talking again about children, you know, a big one um, is uh, kids not acting their age. So quite old kids having sort of toddler style tantrums that you might not realize at the time because you're quite stressed too, that, you know, what's going on. It's just their way of expressing, you know, feeling really sort of discombobulated, I guess. But, you know, maybe they, they might say they feel homesick you know, uh, not eating, I mentioned already, but just generally kind of maybe withdrawing a bit from you or maybe having problems at school, you know, social or academic problems. I remember my son, actually, he was nearly 10 when we came back uh, from the US. The same child, he wasn't eating, uh, you know, when we were in America, then missed it so much that on on the first day back in London, he said to me, Mum, I thought I'd feel uh, excited to be back. I thought I'd feel like I'd come home but instead I feel like a wise old man and I just thought oh, that was wow. so wonderful he said oh. that because he was able to recognize that he felt different and yeah. he had all these experiences a wise old man was you know you, he was saying I don't feel the same as I used to I feel like I've done all these things and nobody else realizes that
0: yes and I suppose for them quite difficult to talk about with people who have no conception of it <laughs> possibly it depends Absol- like if, no absolutely. friendship groups and, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, no they had no idea Uh, I mean I think yeah I think that's what makes it so so challenging
0: yeah and so what is it do you think that makes it feel so challenging
1: I think I mean talking about why is it more challenging potentially than culture shock is the fact that it is so unexpected you know you talked about that you know even as a professional even though you sort of you knew that in theory you'd feel reverse culture shock and you read about it but you still don't think it's going to be that bad. And I, and I think that we assume that wrongly that because home is a known quantity, it, it will be somehow easier. Um, but I think you feel, and on some level, psychologically a little guilty maybe for finding it difficult to adjust It's though you're sort of betraying your roots or something. You know, it feels a bit taboo to discuss your feelings too much with your friends and family who haven't been away I mean, in my experience, they don't have unending sympathy for you because, of course, all you're doing is complaining about something they think is perfectly fine. (laughs) Um, And often in their efforts to make you feel better, I found people get a bit defensive after a while, you know, and that could be happening personally with friends and family, but also, you know, professionally, I guess, with company assistance and, you know, understanding from your colleagues and that kind of thing. And and what you you have, of course, when when you're repatriating is a new perspective on the world. And that will include a new perspective of of your home culture, which perhaps only strikes you once you get back. Uh, You know, that new understanding of how many things are culturally influenced. And it's really exciting as well to have those realizations. And you want to connect with with your friends and family and share everything you've done. And it's not just that they uh, are maybe a bit impatient with you being you know finding things difficult but they're also not as interested as you want them to be about all all the good stuff you want to talk to them about and they've moved on too you know they've they've also made new friends and had new experiences and you know maybe they'll forget to make time for you in their social calendar and not that we've had that much of that since COVID, of course but you need to make more of an effort to remind them that you're around again
0: which can feel hard yes i can definitely relate to that the feeling that you know people have moved on and the question then is do i do I interject and and try and get back there (laughs) or just accept that lives have moved on and while there will be still a connection it will be a different connection from before and that's kind of respecting their evolution as well. One thought that just kind of occurred to me as you were just talking there you know you talked about your, your son talking about feeling like he was a wise old man yeah and and I suppose what happens when you're abroad because of the experiences you're having your sort of sense of identity and who you are evolved so is there more you could add to that around sort of identity development as from the experience of living abroad and and then perhaps that has an impact coming back as well you feel that you're different
1: you do (laughs) feel different I Mm -hmm. think
0: yeah I think well for me personally
1: um when I came back from the U.S. I realized that I had adopted some you know I, I changed it a little bit in in the values I had about things like education um you know uh, and and also I was interested by um the differences in kind of communication style between uh Brits and Americans you know while I'd been living in America I'd found a slightly more direct style sometimes a little brusque mm. you know and then I, for the first time ever, saw the way we communicate over text or email or a little bit wordy, a little bit sort of fake potentially. (laughs) It was really interesting because I'd never seen it like that. You know, it felt too many unnecessary pleases and thank yous. It felt like a bit of a waste of time, you know, and I'm really not that, that wasn't me, you know? So Mm -hmm. I found that fascinating. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that kind of grated, especially I was living in California, you know, such a sort of future thinking place. But I, when we moved back to London, I was struck by how much the past and traditional ways of doing things was just, we were also rooted in it here, much more so than there. They're much more forward thinking in the way they think about education, but in the way they think about everything. Um yeah. and I was really struck by that. And I realized that there's just things that I had never noticed before just sort of grated with me. So in mm-hmm. that sense, I did and I, I was going to talk about this a little um later on, I think when as I think we're we're gonna talk about my um research that I did. But that was one of the things that I found interesting because there are there are sort of In terms of factors that uh, contribute to the extent to which people experience reverse culture shock, um, there are the kind of individual personal ones, like, I don't know, financial issues potentially, or the fact that repatriation for a lot of people can mean a quality of life downgrade in terms of your house and that kind of thing. And you touched on earlier the sense of going backwards in your career and perhaps being kind of a bit under-recognized when you come back. You've got all these intercultural skills, but people haven't kind of you know picked up on that and they're not giving you enough Mm. to sort of to show what you what you've learned kind of thing so there's all those individual situation and also personality traits you know whether you're a particularly optimistic or resilient person like all of these things impact on how much um, difficulties you might have when repatriating um but there are also wider kind of country level factors such as how receptive or not you are, um, rather the home culture, your home culture that you're repatriating to is to outsiders and different ways of doing things. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's um it's an interesting one. But then on top of that, you've got that the the identity piece that we're talking about, the fact that you you have sort of shifted a bit. So there's kind of practical things and there's kind of psychological
0: factors, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Both internal
1: yeah. and kind of external.
0: Yeah, and I suppose actually just thinking about that, you've got the practical aspects and all that you have to deal with, but then the psychological, and for me, that then led to a physiological impact, I suppose, that kind of feeling of lethargy. and
1: That that um, whole mental, physical well-being, you know, we're so so interconnected,
0: you know. Yeah, and I suppose recognising, I suppose we always have this optimistic view, don't we, of the future? I think generally we do. Um, And so we look to the future with positive intent, hopefully <laughs> things will yeah. improve or that we're <laughs> going to enjoy going home or we're going to enjoy going abroad, whichever way we go. But and forget that actually, yes, but it's life and with life comes struggle and there will always be elements of struggle. So be prepared for that. Uh, but somehow we we like to gloss over that. So um of course, yes, you know, so I was mentioned at the beginning that perhaps not as much attention had been placed on this whole issue of repatriation. Perhaps could have been or could be um you know, there's lots of support for people leaving and moving abroad or there's quite a bit of support you wouldn't say lots um but not so much for people coming home so i'm just wondering um if you've got anything to say about why you think there's so little attention paid to that
1: i think it's because historically um both employers and employees have uh, just assumed that because it's home it's easy you know we've, we've sort of touched mm. on that but um You know, they know how things work in terms of setting up the bank accounts and they speak the language. So what else do they need sort of thing? But Mm -hmm. it's easy to underestimate how much it takes to adapt to living and working in other cultures and how psychologically complex these transitions can be. But I mean, saying that, I do think there is an increasing recognition that um, repatriation assistance is worth focusing on and getting right. Just before COVID, the agency I work for, we were approached by a a large, I won't say which, but a large and very well-known multinational company who clearly made a concerted decision to beef up their repatriation package Um, and in that case it was to give very detailed handholding assistance to employees and their families in terms of finding schools so that was interesting because it was helping them find schools in their own home countries and they were all they were coming back to different home countries from different locations all over the world Um, so it's you know obviously a positive step in the right direction but i do think we've got a way to go before people recognize or employers recognize not just employers but but also the you know anyone themselves because as you say you know we we, we don't want to think it's going to be difficult but actually you sh- it, it's really helpful if you acknowledge that you could benefit from not just practical assistance but also help with navigating that sort of psychological side and you know of the transition do expect to feel maybe lethargic maybe flat maybe sort of strange mixture of emotions for a while mm. you know um mm. And, and from an em- employer's perspective, you know, I don't remember the exact statistics, but many employees don't stay long with the company that relocated them after they return home because they feel, you know, um, overlooked or under-recognized or it feels like a backward step or whatever. And, and that feels like a real missed opportunity because these people are have become very interculturally skilled. And it's also a huge waste of money because I think the average cost, you'll probably know, Louise, I actually don't. The last figure I found was something like $90,000 to relocate an employee. Uh, and that's just
0: one way I think (laughs) which is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I think it probably raises this whole question around recognizing that a move whether you're moving abroad or moving home it has a psychological impact from a change and transition perspective and you know I think we think about it from a practical perspective and providing all the practical support but we haven't so much thought about how it impacts people psychologically and um and from a well-being perspective the two go hand in hand obviously so yes supporting Mm -hmm. people from that perspective to both ways is is really important in my view but i'm really interested i know that you you've mentioned earlier that you've done some personal research on the subject of repatriation so can you tell us a little bit about the research you've done and what other research is out there and, and some what research is now telling us sure. about this whole experience? Well, Reverse culture shock has been a lot less studied
1: over the years than culture shock, but there is a growing body of research, which I'll tell you a little bit about before I talk about my own study, just so that you kind of understand the background of it. But the fascinating and unsurprising thing, I think, um, to to us and to anyone else who's gone through it is that most research has shown that repatriating is more difficult than the original overseas relocation. There've been a handful of studies that reported positive outcomes, but they're in the minority. And in terms of sort of a theories of reverse culture shock that exist out there, um, um, mm-hmm. One of the oldest has has been disproven, and it's related to that U curve model of culture shock that I'm I'm imagining you're familiar with that that sort of roller coaster ride of culture shock graph where an individual experiences a sort of honeymoon phase when they first arrive in a new country, then they feel some form of distress, the supposed shock part, and then they move on to a period of adaptation and then settle down into some sort of equilibrium. So the theory of reverse culture shock was the W curve, which was a kind of mirror image of that U curve idea, but like the u-curve it's been shown to be more of a constant up and down journey varying according to (laughs) a vast number of different factors with no one neat pattern emerging sadly like i think we all want to latch on to a neat pattern but it it kind of wasn't there um and then there are you know various other schools of thought since then about about repatriation and there was a set of behavioral theories that assumed that successful adaptation in the overseas country would correlate with successful repatriation because the logic was you've become more adaptable as a person generally. And then, and you know, varying sort of results for those studies. And then another um, set of research found that viewing your home country, and I think this is really interesting, from the perspective of an outsider, is very different psychologically um, to being a stranger in a foreign culture. So, there's actually something different there because it's your home country you feel weirder about being an outsider and I think we touched on that earlier when we sort of Mm. talked about um, reverse culture shock feeling a bit like you're betraying your home country or the old you in some way that's sort of you know that's where the identity piece I guess comes in and so yeah yeah since, since that research more recently studies have been focusing on people's kind of cognitive processes during repatriation and, and how people navigate those, potentially those cultural identity changes. So th- th- that sort of body of research assumed the opposite of the behavioral theories that successfully adapting abroad um, actually can lead to more difficulty on repatriation because because of these cultural identity sort of shifts that have happened. I mean, there's there's no sort of sweeping neat conclusion to to any of it, really, apart I, you'd like there to be. But I mean, the the um, like I said, the fact that there are many, many different factors, both personal and um, and on the kind of country wider level, um, uh, and also, um, yeah, the, the the sort of co- so the main constants, I guess you'd say, that have that have uh, come out is that it reflects a wide group of people, so not just your typical corporate businessmen and their families, but students or people who've emigrated for economic reasons as well, um, and that generally speaking. Um, Younger adults and and teenagers will have probably greater difficulty than older adults or younger children, just because that adolescent period is such a key time for forming identity. And identity is so heavily influenced by those sociocultural factors. So if you've got a a family and and your kids are of different ages, you may well find that some, by dint of their very sort of developmental stage, may find it harder than others. The other thing that's quite interesting maybe for your listeners is that um, there is some evidence that TCKs, third culture kids, experience less stress when navigating identities, cultural identities than than others because they more readily identify with that abstract third culture. So it could be said to have adopted a sort of intercultural um, identity that they can kind of toggle between different worlds.
0: Well, so thanks Polly for that whistle-stop tour of the repatriation research I'm really interested to hear that the majority of the research suggests that repatriation is more difficult than the original relocation and that there is no U or W curve to the adjustment process or indeed no rule that successful adaptation abroad will translate into an easier return home. Feeling an outsider in our home country on return is something that I can definitely relate to. I think this all demonstrates how many contributing factors contribute and impact on the experience of repatriation and it highlights the need for an open mind and the flexible approach to the whole experience. So Polly, I'd really love to hear now a little bit about your research and, and what you found about the repatriation experience
1: and I focused on the the cultural identity theory idea um so seeing what kind of uh, acculturation or adaptation strategy um the people I surveyed had adopted and how much of an impact that had on their sort of repatriation distress and I also Mm -hmm. looked at something called cultural distance because I was interested to see whether the two countries that people were moving between you know how similar or different they were and whether that had an impact on Mm -hmm. how difficult they found it on coming back so so I thought that if the two countries in question had a greater cultural distance, i.e. they were more different, then adaptation would be harder in the host country because it would be easy and therefore it would be easier to adapt back on re-entry. So mm-hmm. less adaptation meant easier return, it uh, was mm-hmm. my thinking. And, and I thought that it would be easier to adapt if the two countries were um, similar, very similar as because in my mind, I was thinking about the UK and the US. Um, I mean, I I surveyed just over a hundred recently repatriated au pairs who came from a a very wide mix of home countries and had gone to a variety of different host countries. And I chose Mm -hmm. au pairs because I just really wanted to keep constant as many kind of variables as possible in terms of their age and their kind of job and motivation for going away and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And what I found was that there was a sort of, there was a positive association between that successful acculturation and repatriation distress. So, you know, the better time they had, basically, or the more more adapted they were, the harder they found it coming home. And there was also a relationship between the extent to which they had retained their home culture in terms of sort of language and customs and behaviour, and how much they identified with their home culture on return. So kind of keeping alive those ties with the home culture made them still... They had it made them identify more with their home culture on return and that sort of stands to reason in a way and they and more more reverse culture shock was experienced by the au pairs who identified less with their home culture on return so all of that sort of pretty much proved what i was thinking but then it was surprising because i actually found that smaller cultural distance predicted a stronger home culture identity rather than weaker so that threw me a bit. So I realised there were various different ways to interpret that and none of them were, t- were particularly convincing. Ultimately, really, <laughs> the only way to find out more is to to conduct other studies. Mine was a quantitative study. I think you really need to interview people as well um, to kind of find out more about what was going on for them on an individual level. And But to do it before they go away and when they come back. So I only surveyed people on their return. So I figured that that would have an impact on how they perceived the two cultures and how similar or different they were. It would have been interesting to see whether that perception changed after they had had their experience abroad so you know there's a lot more that needs to be done basically but it was a starting point
0: yeah very interesting and i would agree you would perhaps predict that a smaller cultural distance would aid adjustment and therefore comfort in the new location and mean that people were less enthusiastic to return home
1: um my thinking was was that if the two countries were similar it would be uh easier to adjust while you're abroad, and therefore you would find it harder when you came back Get back yeah because I, I was just going with my own personal experience yeah. you know? yeah. um yeah. i had i realized because i think it's it's an interesting one, and there are so as we know so many different factors that affect how well you adapt or not, but I guess I felt that um I was imagining somebody say you go to a very different culture and you perhaps exist in more of a kind of expat lifestyle, perhaps you have less interactions, maybe your children go to an international school, maybe you have less interactions with locals, perhaps you don't make, you know, perhaps your identity doesn't change in the same way, but I but may, may be completely wrong, because you, perhaps it does, and you adopt a more intercultural identity, because you're exposed to, by, by hanging out with other expats to a, a wide variety of, of cultures, potentially. Yeah. So, you know, I think there's a, there's a lot more
0: studying so taking all of this and all of this understanding and um, perhaps just to draw our conversation to a close mm-hmm. what tips would you give people who are listening who are thinking oh, oh we're going home fairly soon how am i going to manage this process have you got some tips you could share that yeah, would, would guide I mean, them
1: well first of all before you leave um just make sure that you leave in as kind of considered a way as possible you know you just can't embrace a new life without having probably said goodbye and accepted the loss of the old I mean I know this isn't new ground for you Louise or your listeners but probably no harm in reiterating that just that it's so important of course it's so much harder in the last year to to be to have done that during COVID Mm -hmm. but the Mm -hmm. ideal at least to aspire to is to to heed that um that raft model, um, that term coined by David Pollock, which stands for reconciliation, affirmation, farewell, and, and think destination. It really, it, I mean, it's it's brilliantly put that because it's just, you've got to tie up loose ends. You've got to just say those goodbyes, accept that you're going. I found that incredibly hard in my own personal experience. Um, you know, just celebrate what was good about your time there and, and really make sure that your kids have said goodbye to to everybody, you know, have those sort of, goodbye gatherings or whatever and then you know thinking ahead think about what goals you want to achieve why you're going back how can you maximize that opportunity of going back both personally and professionally Um, and do you know recognize that it, it may well be hard and then think practically about what you can do to mitigate that and I think it's really about being aware that there is the practical side of the move And get as much help with that as you can. And and recognize that by going home, just because it's home, you may still need help on that front. Things could have changed quite a lot since you've been away. And be aware that, um, you know, even though, yes, it is a semi-familiar system to you, that your values and priorities might have changed too. So just have that consciousness, you know perhaps you what you thought was a good school for your kids maybe you this happened to me so I'm talking about this as a particular example but then perhaps your idea of what a good education is it's slightly evolved and adapted and then once you're actually back in the home country obviously you need to be as flexible and open-minded as you would need to be in when moving to a a foreign country but accept that actually it may well be harder because you have more emotional baggage at home and ultimately the key that you're that what you're aiming to do is to integrate the kind of new you that's been formed by your new experiences and perspectives into what feels like the sort of past and the old you and recognize that they're all part of what makes you you <laughs> if, yeah. if you see what I mean I mean it, it it takes effort but it's the only way forward um I
0: think that is such a good point and I think it's one that yeah, I you know, we talked at the beginning about people perhaps not wanting to hear too much about your experiences. Um, and that can be difficult to deal with because you feel like you know, that time abroad actually kind of is an invisible time for, for, for many people not relevant to your current relationship mm, perhaps with mm. them. But I think on a personal level, it's really important to 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 recognise the contribution that. That time is made and and to celebrate it as you said when you leave but also whilst you're you know settling into your new home and and thinking back and thinking about the good times and savouring them and recognising what they've contributed in terms of you know you know contribution to life experience but also perhaps your your strengths and your skills and 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 what you've gained from that experience and and not to let that go because that I think that is such a valuable part of the whole experience and we yeah. don't want to whitewash that out no Definitely it's really
1: not. important yeah. it's not it's a loss but it's also a gain you know it's, yes. you've lost something mm. but you've not you've, you're carrying some of it with you and I think it sounds like yeah. sounds like a cliche there are so many a lot of my tips feel like cliches but it's because they're true you know mm-hmm. I, I sort of I've noted here like always seek the positives remember the grass is always greener because it really is because when I was in in California I thought that you know I th- saw London through rose-tinted glasses and then when I came back to London, you know, vice versa. So, you know, being patient is uh, time is a great healer. Whoever said that? Well, it's just so true. <laughs> you just got to get a few seasons under your belt and have a few more new experiences with people in your yes. sort of new youness. And and then along the world, sort of take time. We've talked a little bit about well being, but you you know, you really need to look after your own well being so you kind of have energy to help. Um, others in your family if you're if you're repatriating with the family because the ups and downs are going to happen at different times for different members of your family and it's really it's tempting to sort of try and drag uh, the other whoever else it is the other family member up to the place where you are if you're on an up but it's not actually going to be helpful for them so um, you know the main thing is I think is to just think about well-being in that very kind of holistic sense you know physical and mental health but also from a social and a career, like financial perspective, think about all of those core areas, Bef- probably before you even repatriate. And especially if it's voluntary, think about all those areas and think about what you can do to help yourself in all of those areas mm. before you come back and, and while you're there. Um, so that would, yeah, that's, those would be
0: my, um, my tips. Yeah. I suppose. yeah. And I, I would add one more and that would be look for people who've had a similar experience to continue You know, to be able to talk about it, people who who get it. Yeah, um, that's been really valuable for me. No, me too. I do that through this podcast, so there's a personal benefit for me. (laughs) Podcast. (laughs) 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 I do it. No, it's not the only reason why I do it, but it has. You know, I have that part of my life which is still relates to international living and interest in that, and that's been so valuable to me. So, join some groups of international people.
1: Yeah, that of course. No, that's such a great tip, and and um, I didn't actually do that when I came back to London, and I should have done. But what I did, I luckily ended up bumping into and meeting a, an American family who'd moved recently to London. So sort of the reverse of what I'd done, ah, and they mm-hmm. were that was a really important friendship for a while. We're still yeah. good friends now, but at the time, I remember I I realized now looking back that I
0: sort of very much latched onto that and I needed it. Yeah, yeah, but it's so important to invest some time in in finding those connections for sure yeah. right I think we're out of time um, but that has just been a fascinating journey through the experience of coming home repatriation and um, so one final final question Polly and that is if people would like to connect with you how can they do so if they want to hear more about your research or talk to you more about this whole subject how can they get hold of you?
1: Um, I think probably the best thing is to find me on LinkedIn um, and send me a message and I'd be really happy to talk more about your experiences. Um, I I offer assistance with cultural transitions, including repatriations, um, and uh, through the agency I work for can also offer a, a very holistic orientation service for families coming to the UK, including childcare and school advice and that sort of thing.
0: Okay, fine. Well, so I will put in the, on the blog post associated with this episode a link to your linkedin profile so people can go there and make that connection if they wish brilliant well thank you so much for your time today polly it's been a wonderful conversation thank you thank you thank you so much louise and thank you so much for listening I have really enjoyed that conversation. I think there is so much food for thought there about moving home, the potential challenges, but then also some great suggestions around strategies and coping and moving home successfully. I've moved home twice and I can honestly say that I have moved home successfully twice, although there were a few difficult days in the beginning. So, if you'd like some more resources on repatriation, then go to the Thriving Abroad website, look for episode 87, which is a blog post attached to this episode, and you'll see there some links and additional resources. And while you're there, why not register for the Thriving Abroad newsletter so I can keep you up to date with all the future Thriving Abroad news. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope that you are well and safe wherever you are in the world and I'll be back soon with the next episode in the Thrivingable podcast. Bye-bye.